2: Episode 75, Working Class on DeerCast. I don't actually know where I'm looking at. We're experimenting with new equipment. I'm looking at this camera, I think. But then you there, there's Lee and Austin. We're playing around on the fly. We can't afford an in-house co-producer or producer to edit our video cuts, but we're trying to get better gradually. So I think people think that we're nerds first, hunters second here at Working Class <laughs> Bowhunter. Quite the opposite. There's a lot of things I don't understand when other podcasters tell me and I'm like, huh? Uh, not me, dude. I just like talking. What do you guys think? Well, welcome to back to working class on Deercast. Oh, hey. Lee. How's it going? You're maybe a favorite here. I wouldn't say that. I've been here a lot, but that doesn't mean I'm a favorite. <laughs> Austin, everybody knows you. You've been around a long time. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm just peachy. Dude, we've uh we've been doing some Kind of some habitat, light habitat work a little bit, and more prep work coming in. It you know it's springtime, coming into turkey season. It's ter- time to think about food plots, and uh, I'm doing a controlled burn this weekend. Yeah, which I'm very nervous about. I'm not. I'm helping with it. I'm not doing it. Um, have you done much of that? We talked. About, I talked about the forest last week. I've helped out on, on a couple, but
1: I'm honestly too scared to do it myself. because <laughs> I uh, yeah fire and me don't get along, so I'm kind of nervous to go and just torch a 160 and let it burn through <laughs> it, so I I just don't have the courage to do it myself.
2: I don't either. Lee, have you done much with controlled burn or anything like that? I was a volunteer firefighter for six years, so
0: yeah, do I've they? done a lot of it. <laughs> do they typically get called out for that stuff, or? Um, I should
2: probably give the fire department a heads up, right? Yeah, you
0: should. You should call and let them know. Um, like, we would have people that don't want to do it themselves, and they just would donate to the fire department and we'd come and burn it. It's good practice, you know? So Hmm. I
2: didn't didn't even know that was an option. It's something that's like becoming more interesting to me. The more I'm getting into like the land management thing, you know, I know a lot of people would sound on their radar, but I feel like it's a thing when it comes like growth as a hunter, you know, it becomes less about like finding deer to, I don't know. You know what I mean? You kind of hone in on what you want out of it, out of the experience. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it's more—it's less about killing the deer. It's more about the year-long process and how to make your experience better yeah. in the long run. It's fun to mess with the habitat stuff. Yeah.
1: And It makes deer season 365. It does, too. And it, usually it correlates to better deer hunting, so
2: it makes sense to do it. Well, you were helping me this morning with your skid, taking out some bushes and some CRP grass. They're, like, basically trying to keep things in the program. And I had a food plot setup that I really liked and you had some suggestions, like, hey, man, why don't you... Ba- basically, we changed my box blind food plot setup from hunting deer that are feeding to now I'm be hunting deer that are moving past me to feed. Yeah, try
1: to create a little more of a transition zone past the blind and to get them to feed past you versus just
2: feeding right in front of you. Yeah, I think that'll work out better for me. Um, and the layout's just going to be pretty. Like, yeah. it's just going to be, like, a cool change of scenery. But then we were sitting here kind of shredding some trees and stuff around this piece and uh thank you for trailing all your stuff out no problem and uh, i found a pretty good shed which never happens to me and i was telling lee about this deer and i'm like yeah he's got a real good three on his left side like if it's in the spot, we were like cruising around. It's like if it's in the spot, we'll see it. And then literally two seconds after I said that, he's like, "Hey, there it is." <laughs> and it was, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is amazing." We were pretty giddy. Like
0: literally two seconds, you'd just gotten finished, and it was Kurt. It's right there, and
2: yeah, like it, it was. Hey man, his G three is really long, and then there it is. So and then there goes Kurt. <laughs> oh yeah oh, monster, that, monster shed that don't happen to me yeah you know what I mean I don't ever like i feel like all my sheds i have to work extremely hard for like i have to walk through all the crap and all that stuff and then finally find my shed like for me to just be like oh there's a good one it's very rare and i think it's just my my property layouts you know it's it's not that the deer aren't there i don't think they're there as much as they could be late season because mm-hmm. i don't have a lot of like real late season food sources but you know, I'll take them when they come that easy. Hey man, four-wheeler yes, you gotta love that. Um, talking about that, I mean, it gives me... I, I Actually, it's a buck I thought was long gone that didn't make it through Illinois shotgun season. I hadn't had pictures of him since early November. So it's a deer I had forgotten about, like, completely. I kind of, like, rode him off. And when I found his first shed, he has a very recognizable split on his right side I had to go back through the library and find pictures I've saved, you know, and I'm like, oh, there he is! Like, well, that's hope. I have hope now. So I got to think of a name for him, and we'll call him Write Off.
1: <laughs> I don't know. He's a, he's a cool
0: looking deer. He's going to yeah. be easy to pick out this year.
2: If, if he, I think if he keeps the same characteristics, yeah, he'll be he'll be awesome. But
0: and finding those sheds is going to help be part of that puzzle too. I don't With know. If you thinking him disappearing, obviously he moved from where you thought he was for the later part of the year well, find in the sheds where you did a lot of the deer that either me or my buddies have killed over the years we find their sheds within 250 yards of
2: where we kill them usually really mm-hmm. well so especially late season this year the area i'm in most of the mature deer that i was aware of and i feel like i have a pretty good scope of like what deer are there do you guys feel that way? Like, do you feel like if you're running trail cameras for a while, do you think you know, like, most of the mature deer that, like, hone in on that area? Yeah. Like, fun. how many slip through the cracks, do you think?
1: It's fun to find that surprise. And it seems like every season you do, you'll walk up on one and be like, I don't know this one. Or, man, I haven't seen this one for months. But, yeah, you feel like you know everything on the farm. But when you go out there and pick up that strange antler, it's like, all right, I don't know everything.
0: And it depends on how, how big the farm is, too. Like, my 20-acre piece that I can hunt. I know about every deer that goes through it, but it's only 20 acres. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're hunting a 240 or, you know, even a 100-acre farm that's really big timber.
2: Yeah, a lot can slip through the
0: cracks. Yeah, it just depends on the farm, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it gives you hope. Because before that, I thought, like, ah, oh, man, everything got blasted up during shotgun season. A lot of deer, a lot of the mature deer, whatever it was for this year, there, maybe there's just more of them. And I feel like most of them got shot up in this particular area. Now, I have two bucks and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the, on this farm. You know what I mean? I have another spot where I feel confident a lot of the mature bucks made it through to hit a, uh, an age class that I'm trying to elevate my hunting to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like I've killed a lot of, I've killed some five-year-olds, killed a lot of four-year-olds, but I'm trying to get, like, I want that six-year-old mega.
1: Well, you made room this year. You shot that big old deer on that farm and now you've got room to bring a new boy in there. So, it'll be fun to see who occupies that farm.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I think I I got two mature bucks on the two different pieces that I hunt. You know what I mean? So, I feel like I'm curious to see what'll move on the other piece, not knowing much. And I haven't hunted I've hunted the farm that um that we're talking about right now. This I've only hunted two years. The other piece I've only hunted a year. Mm-hmm. So I think I have stuff figured out, but I I clearly, you don't, right? You know, just because you kill deer there does not mean you have it figured out. Yeah. But like when you guys hunt a piece, how long do you think it takes you to like figure out like, like, Oh, I feel like I know what's going to happen or whatever. Like, or do you ever get there?
1: I've got 160 acre pasture that I kill most of my deer on. And I, I kill deer a different way on that farm. It seems like almost every year. I mean, I don't know if you ever figure it out. I mean, the, the neighbor, the neighboring properties are constantly changing and, that, that kind of directs whitetails in a different, you know, they've all got their own paths that they like to use. So every deer is different too. So I don't think you ever really get things figured out.
0: Yeah. A lot of the places like where I grew up hunting, you know, I've hunted there for almost 20 years now, the general movement of deer, I can tell you about to a T where they're going to be, when they're going to be, you know, places that are, are typically good just because it's a come around on a crick or something like that, mm-hmm. that are going to be good pinch points no matter what. Yep. But then when you get to the next level of hunting certain deer, like you said, each deer is different, you know? Yep. Um, like the old man 10 that I hunted this year, he he was completely different this year than he was last year as far as when he daylighted, where he daylighted, the path he took within the property I can hunt. <laughs> completely different year over year. And this is only my second year hunting it. And that could be crop rotation, yep. you know? Um, so we'll see this upcoming year if, if he goes back to way he was the year before. But
2: Crop rotation is like a big factor that plays in, like, because, you know, this is only my second year. So I've hunted one crop on one rotation, one crop on the other rotation. And I do feel like the deer density was less on this year's crop rotation. It's easy to, like, forget about something as simple as that and beat yourself up like, Ah, uh, where have all the deer at where have all the deer gone? But I wonder, you know, on this next going back to my first year hunting this piece on that first crop rotation, like, ah, all right, this is the farm I was used to the first season end. You know, I wonder how much it'll change. Yep. Um, I don't know. By the way, I realize I already messed up the recording, so we're just gonna we're gonna go old school the way I normally do it. Okay. Um <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying, dude. Exhibit A. Yeah. Like we're idiots, but we're trying our best. We're hunting, right? I could talk about hunting and realize I forgot to hit a button. Yep. Um so that's what I'm excited for, man. But I don't know. Do you think I, – I feel like being open-minded and being flexible to, like, hunting tactics when it comes to a piece. Like, you, you said, I kill a deer differently on a farm. How long have you hunted that farm? 20 years. And you, you feel like – I mean, do you have like a one go-to tactic, or do you feel like every season it's the older I get, the more I love
1: that box blind over late season food and just leave the farm alone and let them come to me on that late season food. I mean, it's obviously it's effective. I've killed several deer that way, but yeah, like when the rut's on, it just like I said, it depends a lot on what's going on on the neighbors. And I'm always kind of tweaking and fine-tuning my food plots and, and uh, bedding structure and everything else. So yeah, um, I don't have my stuff dialed in. There's probably a lot of guys that just go in and they've set their farm up and they can kind of predict what's going on, but I like playing too much. I'm always in there messing around with the skid steer and
2: yeah, changing things, and that's what keeps it fun for me. Yeah, I think so. I think, though, like being able to move around, like being being calculated – there's a line of being calculated, open-minded, aggressive, and then not aggressive that doesn't make any sense when you say it that way. But when you break it down to successful whitetail killers, there's a, a cocktail of all that mixed and poured over ice that it needs to be or you need to have. And it's almost just like someone that's good at the sport they're in. That's what it is, really. Like, yeah, How do you be aggressive, move around, be in there, but not be in there and pull it off? Like, you, you, you throw that at someone new at bow hunting, they're like, what? <laughs> and sorry, I know we're in the middle of, like, turkey season. We're talking, like, heavy whitetail tactics, but... That's what we're all interested I've in. I've talked a lot about turkeys <laughs> lately, and I like them, but I don't like them that much. Yeah. You, not me. <laughs> you got
1: you to gotta feel like it's going to happen in the spot that you're in. You can't be so conservative that you're just way too far back and you're just observing every time. Yeah. But you also got to be able to get in and out of that spot and not let that deer know he's being hunted. So there's a fine line between being too aggressive and not being aggressive enough.
2: And I feel like being aggressive too early can really hose you.
1: Yeah, that's, I learned that. That's one of the first things I learned was in October, I'm in there tromping up the best part of my farm when it should have been left alone a little bit
2: longer. So fun though, man. That's the thing. Like you get that first October cold front. Like we talked about this a hundred times. Like that's my favorite time now. Yeah. It never was. The rut was always my favorite. Yep. And I I wonder if just like lack of experience, like where I was hunting, you know what I mean? Like I think that changes it too, but also like, You know, looking back, I was in there a lot of times when I didn't need to be in there. Like, whether it was hunting season or not hunting season. I mean, they're like, who knows what? You know, just doing whatever. Like, I think that's a lot about
0: changing as a hunter, maturing as a hunter, though, too. Because back in those days, you... I mean, I was the same way. I wasn't hunting necessarily a certain deer or a certain couple deer. You know, you just went because you wanted to go and you liked the rut because you saw all the crazy activity all the time, where now... You know, I, I'm more meticulous about when I go and more calculated about when I go because I'm not, I mean, yes, I obviously enjoy and love going out there, seeing all the deer, but my end goal is to pick that one deer and be successful on him. So my meaning of hunting is different
2: now than it was 10 years ago or
0: five years ago, really. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, and I wonder if like, if you remove this podcast from like my hunting timeline, I wonder how different my hunting would be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I bet you I'd be light years behind. Behind what I am. Not, yeah. And I'm not saying I'm, like, ahead of anyone or anything, personally, for me. Like, you know what I mean? I the people think- you've met and the conversations you've had have,
0: you know, obviously, even, I've only been around for a year. And the amount I've learned in the year of being around you guys and and other big deer killers, it's just it changes how you think. Oh yeah, I so, think it's yeah. helped us all. I mean, look yeah. at what we've yeah. all
1: picked up. And listeners come up to us at the shows and tell us the same things. Like, you guys don't realize how how many good uh, tips and tactics we get from listening to that podcast. And it's just kind of cool to hear, especially because we just think we're idiots.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, don't go read, don't go googling us. The guys last night in the group chat are like. You know, Eric was sending a couple links. I've never Googled this. I'm like, don't Don't do it. (laughs) Nothing but hurt feelings in there. (laughs) Dude, I've done that and it messed me up for a couple weeks. I can't. But you know what I did? I'm like, I wonder what's new. Google myself. And the dude I found oh man, we'll get about it in the episode we're going to do tonight. But I saw some stuff I'm like, what? No, that's wrong. That's not me. (laughs) You know? You can't look into that. But yeah, it's like you know, you read, you surface level people think with the way we talk and the way we are and like, because we're having fun together. That I think a lot of guys that mostly the people who are lame and you know who you are, they see surface level that we're having too much fun. And that's those guys are just goofing off. There's nothing in there. It's like, well, really, if you think about it, like, isn't that the fun way to learn? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I hate being lectured. Like, there's some people out there that know a lot of great stuff and they might know a lot of stuff worth listening to. But if I'm nodding off while I'm driving, that are, you know what I mean, struggling, then it's just, it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. It's not that it's not good. It's just not for me. Um. So the way we kind of BS through conversation, and learn off each other is that way. And it's not playing, it's just natural. It's just how we interact. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And
0: this might ruffle some feathers, but like the seminars, I've tried to sit through seminars at like the deer shows.
2: I love Clint, man. He does a good seminar, but I, I'm not a seminar
0: person. Like I cannot sit in a chair. It's a lecture. And, yeah. Well, you have got to do the same thing we're doing you
1: got to make it entertaining and make it something that people are going to remember and uh Clint's good at that
2: Clint you know he does one of the best seminars I will say that like yeah. you know for being a seminar it's good mm-hmm. yes you know what i mean but it's it's a lecture you know you're you're being lectured
1: he throws it's, a lot of humor in there so it like keeps you engaged you don't you don't get yeah. bored listening to it
2: yeah it's all good but you know it's everybody learns differently for sure and I just think you you can't go wrong if you're kind of like casually learning. Like you don't feel like you're, you're retaining more that way, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But also it's like, I didn't do that great in school. <laughs> That's because they were lectures. <laughs> Here we are again. I, I did have some cool professors, man, that kind of broke it down. Like, you know, some cool business law guys. I was like, all right, yeah, you're cool. But I don't know, man. I, I'm just obsessed with whitetails in general. And my obsession gets deeper every year when I thought it would like, I for a little bit, I had concern that I would like lose interest, and I feel like that was like maybe my own brain limiting me from evolving as a bow hunter. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know there was so much more to tap into like, there's like a third eye of bow hunting. That is a, that's, i'm losing people that people are <laughs> shutting the podcast off but, but like you feel like this is your realm of bow hunting and that's whitetails and that's all it's ever going to be and then you get a you pique a new interest like to the land game mm-hmm. or bringing someone new hunting or figuring out one specific whitetail or or then even further trying to kill them with traditional equipment out of a saddle with an eye patch you know, using a wooden leg and a parrot. You know, I mean, you know, like, I'm gonna try and kill him as a pirate this year. <laughs> okay, too far. Hey, there's I'll dial her back.
1: There's always a new goal. Yeah, then yeah. you go, go Buzzbus
2: style or you just like making people scream. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, it's like the third eye at bow hunting, man. It's something you tap into. I felt like I've tapped into that recently. Like, I feel like I'm more passionate about it, like right now today than I was six months ago. And it seems like impossible. But it's not. My wife's like, "What? What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like it's a good thing I found this and not meth. You know what I mean? That's what I say, and that's what I'm saying. You like methly? No. Oh, I like deer hunting. Oh, <laughs> you confuse me there. <laughs> yeah. No. How's your colt? What's deer hunting like with the colt? You get yelled at, huh? People think that you like talk about the ground that you're hunting in, in, a, in like a positive light, huh? <laughs> And it's, it's really not. It's nothing special. It's you're more, actually
0: pretty bad. I almost got shot this year.
2: You're you vent more <laughs> about your, your frustrations with it than you do like the positives about it. Yeah. It's nice to have
0: access to the ground, but it's it's worse than public ground.
2: <laughs> yeah. I would say it is from like the Snapchats I see. Just you.
0: because there's so many people that have access to it, and that's not necessarily just the hunters, but anybody who lives there can walk their dog. They can, you know, ride a four wheeler, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. Yeah. There's hardly a hunt that I have there that doesn't get ruined, yeah, by somebody or somebody walking by. Or, and this winter, I was, I got, God. got them talked into leaving some standing food for the deer. Um, you know, had to get it approved through the board and all that stuff. Um, just for wildlife in general to help them get through because, you know, it's a good thing to do. <laughs> right? Why <laughs> Plus, wouldn't? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't you?
2: It's the right. Oh, um, it's the
0: right thing. And there was a lot of people hunting around it. Um, there was one one spot that wasn't too bad hunted wise and that's where I was hunting because there was a couple older deer there that weren't nothing antler wise but just good take them out kind of deer mm-hmm. and the one night a guy came in at an hour before dark came hauling butt across the field in his truck and cleared the field and jumped out of his truck threw his orange on and walked into the temper <laughs> and I'm like so my dad was sitting like a mile away with the spotting soap just watching the field and watching my hunt basically because he has nothing better to do, I
2: guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why go hunting for yourself? Yeah, <laughs> he, shi- you he, had,
0: he had already used his gun tag. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, but this guy goes in, and I call my dad because he cleared the field. I'm like, "What?" And I know the guy. I'm like, what? "Why?" You know. <laughs> He's like, "Dude, I don't know, man. I don't know." <laughs> um, but I told him, I'm like. I was going to have my dad clear the field with the truck because I, where I was hunting at know, the end of your hunt, at the end of my hunt. Yeah. yeah. He was just trying to help you out. He just went in a little early. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh, I feel Lee's bored. Yeah. Can get out. <laughs> and I, I told him, I'm like, well, not gonna have to worry about that now. Cause I guarantee you, he's going to come out about 15 minutes before dark. And here comes 15 minutes before dark. And I see the, orange pumpkin coming through the field or coming also, through the timber. He sat for a grand total of 30 minutes. Yeah, literally. I think he probably just snuck in there
2: and killing it. Jerry. Hopefully his name's not really Jerry. <laughs> it's not <laughs> okay.
0: killing it. Jerry. But he worked to the edge of the field and there was like 11 deer out in the field in front of me and they were all small bucks. And this just proves of, you know, it's a cluster.
2: There's more meat on small bucks. Everybody they were all that.
0: small bucks and he's right in between us and the deer are right between us. And he's shooting up a hill a little bit at the deer and I'm in a tree stand, so I'm elevated more. And I'm looking at the deer with my binos and then I'm looking at him and I see him pull his gun up and I'm like, oh, he's just looking through a scope, you know, whatever. And I'm looking at him and all of a sudden I see poof, muzzleloader season, I see a tuft of smoke and I don't <laughs> even think anything of it. And then all I hear is smack, I mean, 10 feet from me, his bullet hit the tree next to me. Oh man. Yeah, so I, I'm a very level headed individual. But there were some very harsh things said that night. Were you yelling at him across the field? I was, he was 200 yards away and I was screaming at him. Sending F-bombs from 200, 200, 200 yards. Well, my dad bomb, was F-bombs. my dad was a mile away and he could hear me yelling at him. So my dad came up. <laughs> I was, I'm a very level-headed person, but I was mad because it's like, what do we learn in hunter safety? Know what's behind your target, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I'm in a blaze orange. orange vest on a tree right behind the deer, like, Thing. Yeah. So I almost got shot. Okay. So it's not worth it. <laughs> so back
2: back to our our work because we're gonna go what keeps you passionate or what keeps you tapping deeper. The third eye of bow hunting. <laughs> I like that term actually. Look at me, full of them. Third eye of bow hunting. What keeps you into tapping into your third eye of bow hunting with that frustration?
0: Um, so I think for me it's it's been moving away. And you know, obviously I still hunt there. Um and for the amount of effort I put in there. I mean, I put food plots in. I care about the deer herd there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing the things that I do there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's the next generation. It's my son and and my stepdaughter to have the opportunity to hunt there someday. You know, okay, for yeah. there to maybe be some deer there. Um, you know, because the population's taken a hit recently there, and and that's mm-hmm. why I do the things there that I do. Um, and for myself personally, it's it's been you know now that I don't live there and I've got to explore new routes of hunting. Cause where I w- grew up there, it's all big timber. Um, where now it's, there's hardly any big timber around me. So for me, it was a whole new learning curve, learning how to hunt open ag type ground, mm-hmm. um, and, and figuring out a, a different type of hunting,
2: you know? Mm. Good answer. I like that. You made me seem really selfish. <laughs> Thanks for that, Lee. I'm just like, yeah, me, <laughs> you're like my kids. <laughs> All right, Austin, save me, make me look better. <laughs> yeah, I can't say what Lee did, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got to change it up. What keeps you tapping in to the third eye of bow hunting? I'm pretty uh, one-dimensional. I just like
1: big deer, so. Nothing wrong with that. The the, <laughs> the chase of a new whitetail or the same whitetail in a new season. I mean, that's that's what really drives me and keeps me going. But there's so many things that go with it, you know, yeah. the habitat work and, and uh, you know, buying and selling farms and, I mean, all this stuff that I'm starting to really deep dive into, It's it it all comes back to the same thing. I'm chasing big deer, and there's nothing that I love more than coming eye to eye with a 170-inch whitetail. So mm-hmm. That's what really keeps me going.
2: No, I, I do. I got to respect the it's just what it is there you know it's like you know I did that podcast with Mark and Waddle and Waddle at a point says you know they're just goats pretty much they're wild goats for the most part they are but they're not he's like don't let's not give them too much credit right because sometimes we do give them way more credit and it's fun because we can't we don't know their every move so there's credit due on that like if it's just a goat then I should just know that goat, just he feeds there, he eats there, he stays in the fence, and that's what he does. They're like, just
1: goats, but it's hard to find a goat with 180 inches
2: of antler on his head. Correct. <laughs> you don't see them very often. You don't. <laughs> that's what so, makes it fun. <laughs> you know, and it's I, like Jim Burns, uh, RIP, you know, Jim always used to say this, You just they just don't come around. Yeah, yep. That's what he would always say about big deer, like when the gyre buck was shot. Big deer like that just don't come around, man. Yeah. Like that's what he'd always say. Big deer like that just don't come around. It's like, it's so true. It's that simple, though, too. Yeah. They just don't come around. There's not a lot of them. You don't see them very often. I I hear that one a lot. Yeah. So there is something like baseline. It's just fun chasing them. Yeah.
1: It's the same thing that kept me going when I was 15 years old, and it's the same thing that keeps me going now. I'm
0: just intrigued by that rare animal that you hardly ever see. I want to Am
2: I being (laughs) too methodical about it?
0: I do think sometimes, you know, obviously... We've become a lot better hunters in our last, you know, and are always growing. But I do think that there are times where we just, we think about it too much and make it too difficult because yeah. my dad and, um, you know, my two father figures growing up, they've killed more big deer and had more encounters with big deer than I probably ever will in my life. I well, Maybe not, but hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. But they smoked in the tree stand. They mm. didn't really care about scent control. And they've killed more big deer than I've seen. Yeah. You it, know? It'd
1: be interesting to see the density and the quality of deer then versus now. That's what I always try to yeah. think of. Like When I started yeah. hunting in 1997, there were a lot of big deer out there and there weren't a lot of guys chasing. There were a lot of guys hunting, just not a lot of guys targeting big deer. I think that's changed a lot in the last 20 years. So For sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know that it's easier today to kill one
2: than it was 20 years ago. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great. Point and a fun thing to think of, but like I think too, like you know, going back on the first part of this podcast, my whole com- my whole exact point in conversation is like, yeah, maybe I am too methodical, but I feel like I go back and forth between the two of like, all right, baseline, what's this deer doing? Like, what could he be doing? Yeah, don't what's make, his goal? Don't make it harder than it needs to be. But it's so fun to talk about it on like the next level. I think that's where maybe podcasts are to blame and TV shows are to blame for that. Like giving deer too much credit but then also i think where a lot of it comes from is guys go out and try to do what they see guys on tv shows or hear about on podcasts and they're like shit i can't find any deer like that what are they doing yeah oh well i'm messing up on my entry exit okay well i gotta get more methodical about that see and And then it tapers back in that's
0: where i think where we're at you know if you look at like my dad and those guys that i was talking about if they were like us and thought about it like we do and eat sleep and breathe it like we do how many big deer would they have killed right you know we don't know that because they weren't that way i mean don't get me wrong my dad loves deer hunting but he is it's in my head 365 you know and his when he was my age you know it was a lot more now it's not as much but you know if he would have been as crazy about it as me you austin are yeah would he have killed 10 booners or the Three or four that he has.
2: Yeah, it makes you wonder but you know, I remember like even like the extra effort though Like I remember my dad going in back when I was young Doing mobile hunts with a climber on his back and going in the dark and just finding spots And I remember like Jim and some of the other guys being like that's crazy
0: My dad hunted the exact same way with a climber and yeah, just on his back and went
2: And I just remember my dad had all these like trees mentally marked that were straight enough And in the right spot where he'd go in like, hey, that's a good spot, you know? And he killed a lot of deer that way. But I don't know. To then, like then, to other guys my dad's age, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically completely mobile hunting. Like up and down, dark to dark, or, you know, going at the stand in the dark, leave with the stand on my back. Like I wonder how crazy that was in 2002, 2003. You know, now it's not crazy. It's normal.
0: Mm-hmm yeah
2: but you know what I mean then was that crazy? Was that an extra effort like you know what I mean, or was yeah. that was that past the time of like where it was becoming more normal in the early two thousands?
1: I didn't do a lot of mobile hunting in the early 2000s. That was probably around twenty ten when I really started doing that.
2: Do yeah, I remember my dad the first stand I killed, this buck right here, my first buck with a bow I killed it out of a um oh, what brand was it? They made a telescoping stand, and we called it my telescopic stand. It was a mobile, mobile, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't really that mobile. But you got it up to the tree, and the ladder snapped with pens. So it went, huh. t- 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 it telescoped straight up. Hmm. I think it was like a Maristep made it. I found one on Marketplace a couple of years ago. The guy had one was, like, brand new, and it had never been used. But hmm, that's I don't what, remember that one. That was my mobile stand when I was 13, 14, 15.
0: See, and I, I haven't, I, I mean, it's been pretty much since I've been around you guys that I've started mobile hunting. Really? I I never have in my life. I was always hang stands for the year and let them go. No kidding. Yep. Because a lot of the places I hunted, I've, I hunted for ever, you know, since I started hunting and I knew that uh, there's a good deer here and it's, you know, it, it changed in the last couple of years when I started hunting specific deer Mm -hmm. and getting away from where i grew up because where i grew up you know it was my dad always used to go hunt this is a good area you know hanging tree stand here you sit there long enough you'll shoot a good deer
2: yeah you know yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with either tactic or like no you did but kill deer either way yeah i just feel like my dad got me so on the mobile thing early that it's like the main thing i know of
1: yeah he's probably one of the first guys doing that i'm yeah i'm sure
0: there's a lot of guys but your dad killed the iron buck in 04, right? Isn't that one? Yeah. Yeah, because my dad's big, big one that was I had at the Illinois Classic was 2004, and he killed it out the At the Illinois Classic? The one that I had them scan. That was an Illinois buck? No, but he killed it in 2004, and he was kind of mobile hunting oh, back oh, then, Oh, you brought it, mm-hmm. the, brought, brought it to the, I yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what you're saying, yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah. I was like, oh, dang, yeah, 04 must have been a killer year, because I know right around then there was a big, giant Fulton County buck. What was that, 04 or 05? Um, we were just talking about it last weekend. Big old 260-something, I'm not sure. Hmm, I don't remember. Bryant Buck? Does that sound right? I
0: don't know. When I was growing up, like 1995 to 2010, where I grew up were the heydays. That's when the big deer were killed consistently, you know, way more of them. Yeah. My sister's big one that I had at the Illinois Classic was 2004. My dad's was 2004. Mine was last year, but uh, my other sister's was it was late later but you know most of the big deer that i can think of of all my buddies and their dads were all in that 15 year time span from 95 to 2010
1: it makes me wish i had the knowledge
0: that i have today
1: and i could just rewind and go back to like 1990 and just hunt five or six years back then just to see what's going on dude nobody's hunting i was born 10 years too
2: late dude i think about the gap Of, like, when I killed my first buck in that five year span, like, on either side of that, like, right when my dad killed the Geyer buck. And, like, that was before I was real mobile. And I was like, ladder stand, I have like all that footage of a lot of them deer I filmed. And it's like, I'm not kidding. I filmed 180 inch typical 12 come out of the same hole three mornings in a row. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, nowadays, that first time I'm like, I'm going over there and I don't care if he comes on the other side of the field. I tried it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I'd never—that nev- would never happen now. let alone see one in the open. Yeah, and you see him do it twice, and then you just sit back and watch him the third time. Yeah, I'm just like, dang, he's over there. There he is again. <laughs> Maybe he'll come this way. <laughs> Turns out he didn't. But, you know, like, I remember just little things, you know, like, the first big buck, I blew an opportunity. I didn't really blow an opportunity on I just didn't have the know-how. Like, I remember this buck, man— Right behind my ladder stand, same spot, chasing this doe, and he was caught up in the thorns. His rack was so big, and he came in twelve yards. I like could a quarter in a way shot, but I didn't have the experience, you know. And nowadays, it would have been in the bag. It'd been my biggest deer ever. Like still to this day, like yeah. this buck's in the one seventies, double split twos, and you know what I mean. Like I can envision it like so beautifully. I'm like. Oh man, if I just knew a little more, I (laughs) could have killed all these crazy bucks like early. It'd be crazy what we could have killed in our careers had we had the knowledge we do now. (laughs) Oh, dude, man. (laughs) Kind of makes you sick, really. It makes me sick, man. Like, I remember one of the biggest deer I've ever seen. Well, I did see the guy buck on the hoof a week before my dad shot it. But after I shot my first buck, I shot him like early in the morning. I sat there for like four or five more hours and I saw one of the biggest bucks not long after going the opposite way. It's like, yeah, the stuff I could have pulled off, it's like crazy, you know? But hey. Fun to have, think about. It is fun to think about. It's like, and everyone listens like, yeah, right. I remember, <laughs> I need to find a lot of this footage because I'd get back and be like, oh, I saw this, this, and this, and everyone in camp's like, yeah, right. No, you didn't. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I filmed it on this Sony Hi8 tape camera, <laughs> and I'm showing them, they're like, son of a bitch. You did. You did see that. <laughs> so it's like, everyone's like, whoa, for real? I'm like, yeah, man. I was out there <laughs> filming all of it. I was young. I was a young one, but. I don't know, dude. Hunting's just so much fun. And I'll never get tired of it. I don't nope. think. Maybe one day. I don't think so. I don't
1: think
0: it's possible. I think I, I would think have gotten could. tired of it by now. There will be one day, but it will be when
2: I'm in my grave. Well, there's you when know, I'll be tired of but it. We can't like we can't act like we don't get burnt out. Oh, Absolutely. like there's times you come to your mental, but it's it's self-inflicted. Yeah, mm-hmm. But it's like
1: Lee said, now we've got this other generation growing up. Within the next five years, I mean, we're going to be passing the torch, and I know I'm not going to be bored.
2: No, no. It's going to keep me going just to watch Cody. Well, and it'll keep us out there more because the kids can go. Yeah. And then I'll just be like, oh, yeah, we want the kids. We're still hunting. Doesn't mean Daddy can't bring his bow, too. <laughs> it makes you wonder.
0: It makes me wonder, like, you know, a lot of my friends, they're way more into it than their parents. Like, so how are our kids going to be? <laughs> They'll probably all hate it. and going to be like, Cody. and that's one of my worries is I'm going to push too hard. Yeah. Really? That's
1: why like, yeah. I haven't taken Cody hunting but maybe two times and he's just doesn't seem to be into it yet. So
2: he will though, man, you it's just like, got
1: to, you just got to take your time and be careful with that and make it a positive experience for him.
2: Thing, I didn't start till I was, you know, after 10. Yep. Yeah, you know I what was, I mean. So
0: I was twelve. Yeah, I, I was ten gun hunting and fourteen bow hunting is when yeah. I started. Yeah, mine. I'm right in there,
2: eleven or twelve probably when I started hunting, and then thirteen or fourteen when I started bow hunting, something like that. Yeah, so it's like we got time. Oh yeah, but that was about right. Like it was enough for me to understand it. It's enough for me to watch hunting videos. Like nowadays, like I, dude, if YouTube was around hunting, YouTube, I'd have been a fanboy of all the the big YouTubers. You know. Yeah. Like. I'm a fanboy of all the, guys, all the VHS guys. Like, it would have been the, I mean, hopefully, it would have been the same. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have internet porn in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a distraction now. <laughs> but you follow, you get know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know,
0: well, a lot of distractions out there. Yeah, there are. But you say that, Clyde. I mean, now he's just like Jensen. When we're watching, it's deer, deer. Yeah. We were watching uh, 13 the other night, Jensen and I, and he goes, Deer, Buck. Shoot it <laughs> i was like
2: all right attaboy hey, boy, hey, it's your boy yeah it's weird i i be like why is mark on the tv <laughs> like it's funny that my well daughter, if only you knew <laughs> yeah, mark, yeah it's kind of, it. of a big deal yeah i was like uh honey that's uh the way this world works <laughs> yep it's kind of funny it's that's like funny. mark <laughs> you know what i mean it says his first name it's mark on the tv they ate dinner with mark one time it's like is that mark like, yep. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Well, I don't know. This is a fun conversation to kind of pull it out of our butts uh, last second. You know, like we're in a transition period at the podcast. We're done with the trade show. So shout out to everybody who came and seen us at any of the shows. Um, we have our shoot coming up June 10th. And uh, what else we got? We're going to do Deer Fest, I believe, in Oshkosh into July, and Illinois Deer and Beer Fest at the end of August. So um, shout out to all you guys who came out and seen us and supported us there um we're just we're kind of crazy. We're doing land management work. We had to do this podcast this week, and you know sometimes we like today is a perfect example. We started this podcast and had no idea what we we're gonna talk about and I, that's the beauty I think of what we do with this is we can just hit the button and we're all real friends and we can just talk a lot of times it's me spewing out internal um <laughs> It's more of a therapy session that you guys just get forced to be a part of. Hey, we're here for it. And uh, so, thank you. (laughs) Who needs better help when you got Lee in Austin? (laughs) I don't know. Therapy, man. Have good hunting buddies. Talk about stuff you really care about. Yep, that's true. And if
0: you're not planning on coming to the shoot, you need to. It's going to be good this year. Yeah,
2: I'm making. You're the shoot manager. It's going to be your boys going to be in charge. Chaboy, chaboy, chaboy's outdoors. Well, uh, you guys got anything to add? Turkey season's almost here. Looking forward to that. Here we go. <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks, baby. I could care
0: less about turkeys, so did, I'm thinking for October 1st. <laughs> did you get
2: any turkey tags?
0: Nope. I've bought... You got a bad attitude. Man. I have bought two turkey tags in my life. I just It's just not my thing.
1: You, you and Eric could come and sit on the porch when everybody else is doing the turkey palooza
0: thing. That's fine. Just come film. Or I'll go shed hunt or something. There you go.
2: <laughs> All right. Yep, I'm thinking for October 1st. I get it, man. I am with you. I'm with you, but turkeys are they're fun, man. Austin's really you're a major part of my like increasing love for turkeys. Yeah. You are, honestly.
1: Well, something fun to do in the off season.
2: And they're fun to shoot with a shotgun, man. <laughs>
1: they are. Mark's got you going that
2: way. I'm still going with the bow and yeah, you're going shotgun. Mark's got me full blown. Well, Taylor and Mark are like, turkeys are meant to be shot with a shotgun. I'm like, nah, you guys are haters. And then I'm like, yeah, no, they are for sure. It's fun both ways. It I is lo- fun. I love it. I love it. My, my problem with I don't think everyone should bow hunt turkeys. Yeah, that's true. A lot of turkeys get wounded.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Because most people don't understand the anatomy. Yep. I'd say most turkeys just get wounded. They're tricky. They're you tricky. Don't know what you're doing? Shotgun though. Plow. <laughs> <laughs> Kablooey. Kablooey. They're done. All right. Good luck, everybody. If your turkey season's underway, best of luck to you. Thanks for tuning in, listening to uh, my third eye of bow hunting therapy session. Sorry, it's what I do. We're idiots here. Uh, you know what to do go shoot a giant. We'll catch you next week. Peace.